Well, it's wonderful to be with you once again today and to be able to lead you into the Word of God and a study of the Word of God. Uh, we've been studying the book of Romans, uh, doing a series on it, and I think this is the ninth episode in that study. Uh, today we're going to be looking at Romans chapter 5 and we're going to be looking at the first 11 verses of this chapter. Uh, a really exciting, um, encouraging passage of Scripture. And so I'm looking forward to, to just sharing what we see, what we gain, some insights into this passage with you today. Before we do, let's just open in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you today for the Scriptures. You have given us the Scriptures, Father. You have given us the Holy Spirit to help us understand the Scriptures. And through them, Father, you make us wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. Through them, you give us encouragement and great hope. Through them, Father, you reveal yourself. You reveal and make known your grace. And Father, you save our souls. And so we thank you for your word today. As we come to it, Father, I pray that you would give each and every one of us open hearts and open ears. Hearts that can understand, ears that can hear what the Spirit of God has said to us. And so I ask that you would help me, Father, as I share from your word and share the insights you have given me into this passage of Scripture with those that listen. I pray that you would help me to do it faithfully accurately and clearly. I ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's read from the book of Romans chapter 5. Uh, we're going to look from verse 1 to 11. This is what we find written there. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint us or put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows His love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by His blood, much more shall we be saved by Him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by His life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. After spending considerable time in the first three chapters of this letter, Paul 
told us in those first three chapters about the utter sinfulness and depravity of mankind and man's powerlessness to save himself, to be able to rescue himself from his sinfulness, and therefore that all people stand condemned before God. So he spent almost three chapters talking about that particular fact and laying and establishing that foundation for us to understand. And then towards the end of chapter 3, Paul moves on and he begins to explain to us the grace of God. He begins to explain to us what God has done. And he begins to narrate to us what we call the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. That God in His great love for us has made a way whereby He can righteously and justly forgive us for all our sins, no matter how terrible they may have been, and bring us into a place where we have complete right standing with Him, where there is nothing between us and Him, where we are, as the Bible calls, justified. And uh, all this requires, this, this way that God has opened up, is for us to acknowledge our complete dependency on God, our complete dependency on His grace, to acknowledge that we have nothing to offer God for our sins, and to look to and depend solely upon Jesus Christ for salvation, the salvation that He has acquired on our behalf. It has nothing to do with keeping the law, although in a very profound way it upholds the law, it has something to do rather with faith. And this is what we saw in the last episode. It has something to do with a faith that is like the faith of Abraham, that unquestionably and uh, unequivocally and unwaveringly holds to and accepts and believes the Word of God as being true. A faith like David's that turns to God in repentance and seeks not only his pardon, but also seeks to be cleansed inwardly from our sinfulness and to be made brand new inside. That's all that this way that God has devised for us by his grace requires of us in order for us to be saved and in order for us to be put right with him. And so we see in the first three uh, chapters and uh, first four chapters, we see Paul laying these truths, establishing these truths, laying this foundation for us. And then in this passage that we've just read today, Paul goes on to show us the benefits that this justification, this grace of God has given to us who have faith in Jesus Christ. He mentions four benefits in this passage, and this is what we want to have a look at today. The four benefits in this passage are, number one, peace with God. Number two, privileged access to God. Number three, the gift of the Holy Spirit. And number four, the certainty of being saved from God's wrath. So these are the four benefits that Paul lays out in this passage that come from having been made right with God through faith in Jesus Christ. And today what we want to do is we want to just look briefly at each of these benefits. So the first one is peace with God. In verse 1 Paul says this, 
since we have been justified by faith, and remember that word justified means to be made just as if we've never sinned, to be made right before God, to be given a standing before God as if we had never sinned, to be completely forgiven for our sins. So he says, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's ask ourselves two questions. Firstly, what, who is it that has peace with God? And secondly, what is peace with God? Paul tells us here that those who have peace with God are those who have faith in Jesus Christ. Those who have, because of their faith in Jesus Christ, been justified, have been forgiven for their sins and been put right with God. Do you know that the rest of humanity, those who do not have faith in Jesus Christ, those who have therefore not been justified, do not have this peace with God. This peace with God is a benefit that comes only to those who have been justified by faith through our Lord Jesus Christ. It comes to people only through the Lord Jesus Christ. There is no other way that people can have peace with God except through the Lord Jesus Christ and through faith in Him. And so the people that have this faith are those that have been justified through Jesus Christ by faith. What is this peace with God? Well, it's different to peace, the peace of God. In many places in Scripture, we see uh, Scripture talking about the peace of God. Uh, one example is Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 to 7, where it says, Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And then it says this, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Do you see the, the words there, the peace of God? That's very different to what Paul is talking about here in Romans chapter 5, verse 1, where he talks about having peace with God. You see, the peace of God is that calmness, that assurance that God is with us. But peace with God means that the war that we had with God has ended. It presupposes that there was a war, that we were in, in, at enmity, at odds with God, that there was conflict between us. To have peace with God means that war, that conflict has ceased. Today, the Ukraine and Russia do not have peace with each other. They are at war with each other. For the Ukraine to have peace with Russia, there would have to be an end to that war, an end to that hostility, and a reconciliation between those two nations would need to take place in order for us to be able to say that Ukraine has peace with Russia. And so what we see is we see that this is what has happened to us who have been justified by faith. We can see that the war that we once had with God has ended. The conflict, the enmity that we once had with God has come to an end and we now have peace with God. Do you know that right now in this, there is enmity between this world 
and God? Psalm chapter 5 verses 4 to 5 says this, For you are not a God who delights in wickedness. Evil may not dwell with you. The boastful shall not stand before your eyes, and you hate all evildoers. This verse describes the relationship that there is between the wicked and God. In Psalm chapter 7 and verse 11, it says this, God is a righteous judge and a God who has indignation every day. There is hostility between God and sinners. Romans chapter 1 verse 18 says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. We saw that earlier on in this series in, on Romans. What does it say there? It says the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. It's not talking about it being in the future tense. It's talk about, talking about it being right now an ongoing experience in this world. You see, the bottom line is this, is that there is enmity between God and mankind. And that humanity is, as a whole, under the wrath of God because of our evil deeds. Do you know that even us who were justified by faith, were all at one time at war with God, and He was at war with us? I want to show you this from Ephesians chapter 2, uh, just verses 1 to 5. Paul writing now to people who had been justified by faith, says this to them. You were dead in the, tr in the trespasses and sins in which, you, in, which, in which you once walked. Notice it's in the past tense. You were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked. When you followed the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the, and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Notice he says there, you were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. You see, Paul writing these words to Christians, people in Ephesus who had come to faith in Jesus Christ, who had repented of their sins, who had left the way of life that they used to live. He says, before you did that, before you came to faith, before you came to repentance, you were by nature objects of God's wrath. You were dead in your trespasses and sins. There was an enmity between you and God. But now, he says, you've been made alive in Christ. You have been saved by grace. And this is what Paul is talking about in Romans chapter 5. He says, no longer do we have this enmity between us and God. Rather, we have been reconciled with Him. And because of that, we have peace with God. So Paul is describing this, the, the state in which we now have relationship with God. 
We are at peace with Him. And I tell you, what a wonderful thing there is to know that we have peace with God. Paul, right here in this passage in Romans chapter 5, uses four words to describe what we were before we came to faith in Jesus, before we were justified, before we were saved, before we understood the gospel message. He says, number one, we were weak. That means we were powerless. Powerless to atone for our sins, powerless to save ourselves from our own sinfulness, and therefore powerless to be able to please God and gain His favor. He says we were ungodly. That speaks to what we were in the very depths of our beings. Our very inward beings, there was ungodliness in us. The very fabric of our nature was ungodly. And that's why he said in Ephesians 2 that we were objects by nature of God's wrath. He also says here in Romans 5 that we were sinners. We were sinners because of our evil deeds. And then he says we were enemies of God. We were enemies of God because of the way we lived. Do you know that that's the state in which Jesus Christ came to, to save us? That's where we were. That's what we were when Jesus Christ died for us. You see, that is the state of every ungenerate person in this world. That is the state of the, of the world in God's eyes right now today. And it's only when someone comes to faith in Jesus Christ, it's only when someone repents and turns to God in repentance that this uh, state of relationship is changed and they find peace with God. That's what we were when Christ died for us. But now, through our Lord Jesus Christ, because of His death, because of His blood, and because of the work of the Holy Spirit in our hearts, bringing us to faith in Him and repentance towards God, we now have peace with God. The whole situation has been changed. Isn't that wonderful? Let's move on to the next benefit that Paul talks about here. This benefit is found in verse 2, and it is privileged access to God. Paul says in verse 2, through Him, that's Jesus Christ, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Notice the word also there. This is the second benefit. This is on top of having peace with God. You see, we don't just have peace with God. The war between us and God is, is not the only benefit that we gain from being justified by faith. He says we have now obtained by faith, through grace, we have obtained access. That word access speaks of a privileged uh, entrance into God's presence. And this is an access that not everybody has. This is the result of having peace with God. If we didn't have peace with God, we would not be able to have this access to God. And we probably wouldn't even want it anyway. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 17 to 18 says this, And He, that's Jesus Christ, came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near, for through Him we both have access 
in one spirit to the Father. Isn't that wonderful? That because we have peace with God, because we have been reconciled to God, because we have been justified before God and by God, we now have access into His very presence through Jesus Christ by the Holy Spirit. You see, before we were reconciled to God, before we were justified by faith, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, we were separated from God. We were alienated from Him. And we were without Him. Do you know that that's the way the world is today? The world is separated from God, alienated from God, and without God, living their lives without Him. But now, because of Christ, because we are in Christ, because we have faith in Him, that's no longer our state, our condition, our relationship with God. Instead, we have direct access to Him. This is what the Scripture is teaching us today. Listen to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19 to 22. It says, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that He opened for us through the curtain, that is, through His flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Do you see, because of what Christ has done for us, because of the justification that we have received from God by grace, we have the privilege of going directly to God in prayer. This access that we're talking about is not a physical access at this time, but it's a spiritual access by prayer, by the Spirit of God into the very presence of God. We can enter His presence right now by the Holy Spirit. And we can do so with full assurance of faith, with confidence, having our hearts sprinkled clean, having our bodies washed with pure and living water. What an unspeakably great privilege this is to think that we can come into the presence of the Creator of heaven and earth, the Lord of heaven and earth, the one who is sovereign and the one who is almighty, and we can come to Him right before Him, right into His presence without uh, shame and without fear, but with assurance, the assurance of faith. I pray that the Holy Spirit would help us to understand just how incredible, how immense this benefit is to us. We have peace with God. We have privileged access into His very presence, privileged access to Him. We, we could say, we could put it this way, we have the ear of God. When we come to Him, when we draw near to Him, we have His ear. Let's move on to the third benefit that justification by faith brings to us. And this is the benefit of the gift of the Holy Spirit. Verse 5 says, And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts 
through the Holy Spirit, notice this, who has been given to us. Do you know what that means? Just those few little words that Paul pens here, that has been given to us, the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. You see, through Jesus Christ, not only do we receive this peaceful, reconciled relationship with God, not only do we receive access to Him, but we also become temples of God, temples of the Holy Spirit, where God comes to take residence in us, where He comes to dwell in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Notice the tense that Paul uses here. He says, through the Holy Spirit whom God has given to you. Do you know that every one of us who has been justified by faith has also been given the Holy Spirit? Every one of us that has peace with God and has uh, this access to God also has the Holy Spirit in our hearts. In fact, it's by the Spirit that we have this access into God's presence. What an incredible gift the Holy Spirit is. He's not just an impersonal force or energy that comes to live in us, but the Holy Spirit is God Himself taking up residence in our hearts, taking up residence in us, living with us. He is God with us. Isn't this wonderful? And what does He do in our hearts? Well, Paul says here that He pours out into our hearts the love of God. He doesn't pour into our hearts this love from the outside. He floods our hearts with this love of God from within. As Romans 8 verse 16 says, the Holy Spirit testifies with our spirits that we are the children of God. He gives us an, such incredible assurance of the love of God in our hearts. He witnesses the love of God to us. He fills and floods our hearts with the knowledge and the understanding, the experiential knowledge and understanding of God's love. And He enables us to see that if God loved us enough to send Jesus Christ to die for us while we were still enemies of God, while we were still living in, in wickedness, while we were still sinners, while we were still ungodly and powerless, then how much more does God love us now that we are justified and forgiven and have been reconciled to Him? It's the Holy Spirit who brings us to the place where we can say with Paul that we are convinced that there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. He brings us to this place where we know for certain that we are the children of God, that we belong to God, and that He is our Father. And in fact, the Bible says that within us, He cries out, Abba, Father, Daddy, Father. He enables us to see God as our Father. What an incredible gift the Holy Spirit is to us. The fourth benefit that Paul talks about here is the certainty of being saved from God's wrath. We've already talked about the fact that the whole world is at enmity to God and that the whole world is under the wrath of God. Do you know the wrath of God is coming? 
This is an absolute certainty. The Bible speaks about this and makes it absolutely clear to us. There is a day of wrath. There is a day when God's wrath is going to come upon the world. Romans chapter 2 verse 5, Paul talks about this fact. And who is it coming upon? The Bible tells us it's coming upon the sons of disobedience. God's wrath is going to come upon those who have not obeyed the gospel. And that means those who have not believed in Jesus Christ and have not repented of their, their way of sin. The, the wrath of God is coming. But do you know that just as certainly, certainly as the wrath of God is coming, so Jesus Christ is coming. Just as the wrath of God is going to come upon the sons of disobedience in blazing fire and consume them, so Jesus Christ is coming to bring salvation for everyone who has believed on Him, for everyone who is looking to Him, for everyone who is trusting in Him for salvation. Look at what verses 9 and 10 says. It says, Since therefore we have been justified by the blood of Jesus, much more shall we be saved by Him from the wrath of God. Isn't that amazing? In verse 10 he says, For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, how much more now that we are reconciled, now that we have peace with God, shall we be saved by His life? If Jesus' blood was sufficient grounds for God to justify us and forgive us, if His death was enough for us to be reconciled to God and to have peace with Him, then how much more is His life sufficient to save us from the wrath of God. What an incredible assurance this is to us. Because Jesus was raised from the dead and is alive forevermore, we have an eternal high priest representing us before God. We have an eternal advocate before God at His right hand speaking in our defense. And we have an eternal Savior who is coming back to save us. Because He ever lives, He can make intercession for us and save us to the very end. The New Testament writers often refer to Jesus Christ as our great God and Savior. And that's who He is. Jesus Christ is our great God and Savior. And He's going to save us from God's wrath. He died and He's coming back again to save us from the wrath of God. And if He loved us enough to die for us, then surely there is nothing that can separate us from His love. What wonderful truths these are. And do you know that as a result of these incredible benefits that we've received, these incredible benefits that come to us through the grace of God, because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. Through Jesus Christ, every one of these benefits come to us who have faith in Him, to us who have united our lives to Him. Because of these benefits, Paul says here, we can rejoice in the hope of the glory 
of God. Isn't that incredible? The glory of God that Romans chapter 3 verse 23 says we have fallen short of, that we do not deserve, that we cannot earn, we now have the hope of. And when the Bible talks about the hope of the glory of God, it's not talking about some wishy-washy hope, some wishful thinking, I hope that I might be able to enter into the glory of God. No, it is talking about something that is absolutely certain. This hope that we have is something that is assured, that is promised. We have the hope of the glory of God, of being able to enter right into the very glory of God itself, right into heaven itself. And not only to enter into heaven and to enter into God's glory, but to be glorified together with Christ in God's glory forever and ever. This is the hope that we now have as God's people. And this is a living hope. It's a hope that death cannot take away from us, that the grave cannot rob us of. This hope is assured and certain through what? Through Jesus Christ. He is the guarantee of this hope. He is the one who makes this hope certain for us who have faith in Him. Secondly, Paul says this, we can rejoice in our sufferings. Do you know that justification, having peace with God, having access to God, and even having the Holy Spirit dwelling in our hearts does not mean that suffering is taken away from us in this life we still will have suffering. Scripture actually says that we are assured of suffering. It is certain. But because of our relationship with God, because of all these things that we've been talking about, we can rejoice as God's people even in our sufferings. We can rejoice knowing that there is nothing that can happen to us in this life that is going to turn out for our harm. To the contrary, Romans chapter 8 verse 28 says this, We know that in all things God works together for the good of those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. There is nothing that will not turn out for our good when we have this kind of relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Paul says here, Our sufferings will produce endurance. And endurance produces proven character, and proven character produces hope that will not disappoint us. You see, even the sufferings, our sufferings, the things that we find painful in life, are working together for our good. They are producing in us the likeness of Christ. They are preparing us for the glory of God, and they are giving us more and more hope in our lives. James chapter 1 verse 2 to 4 says this, Consider it all joy, my brothers, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith brings about perseverance. Let perseverance have its perfect work, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. If God be for us, what can be against us? What can separate us from the love 
of Christ. Thirdly, being justified by faith in Jesus Christ places us in a position where we can rejoice in God through Jesus Christ. This word rejoice means to exalt. It means to be happy. You know that this should be the experience of every single one of us, and it will be the experience of every single one of us who understands the grace of God. We will rejoice in God. No longer do we see God as this ogre with a big stick. No longer do we see God as an enemy. No longer do we see Him as someone who is against us. But we see God as someone that we can rejoice in and exult in and be happy in. No matter what circumstances we are in. Consider all that He's done for us. Consider the kind of relationship that we now have with Him. Consider who He is. I mean the glory of God, the majesty of God, the, the power of God, the faithfulness and righteousness of God. God is someone that we can rejoice in. And we will do so throughout all eternity. We will rejoice in Him. This is the Christian life. What we've been reading today, what we've been explaining today and looking into and hearing today is a description of what the Christian life is all about. It's one of unending rejoicing. The Christian life, although we may have pain, although we may face times of grief and go through times of, like that, of suffering, we may face all kinds of hardship, we may face persecutions, do you know that even in the midst of all those kind of things, we can rejoice? We can rejoice because of the relationship we have with God. We can rejoice because of the hope we have in God. We can rejoice in His grace. Today, I want to ask you and challenge you, if you've never Come to a place where you have committed your life to Jesus Christ. You've never come to a place where you have turned in repentance to God, where you've sought His forgiveness for your sins, where you've sought for Him to cleanse you of your sinfulness that is inside and to make you a child of His, a brand new creature in Christ. You've never come to the place where you have received these things from God by faith. You've never come to the place where you, where you have made Jesus Christ or received Jesus Christ as the Lord of your life. I want to encourage you strongly. I want to challenge you today to do this right where you are today. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the incredible truths that your word gives to us and reveals to us. These truths that we've been discussing today. We want to thank you for the incredible grace that you have given to us. Through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through his death. Through his resurrection. Through who he is. Through the promise of his coming. Father, thank you. That the way has been opened for everyone who will come. 
for everyone who will believe this message. And so I pray today for every person that has been listening to this message today that has not yet come to that place of faith but has, has arrived there today. Father, I pray that you would help them to take the next step of committing their lives to Christ, putting their faith in Him and turning in repentance to You. I thank You for this today. In Jesus' name, Amen. It's been such a privilege, such an awesome honor to be able to just share these truths with you from the Word of God today. I pray that they have encouraged you. I pray that they have given you a clearer understanding of what the grace of God is all about. God bless you and may He keep you. And may He grant you such joy in believing. Amen.